Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to all of you good humans out there and welcome back to Good Humans Podcast, episode number 53. Today's one's a special one, a very, very close friend of mine with an incredible story. If it's your first time here today, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm stoked to have you here. Please go and hit that five-star button if you enjoy it, share it with your friends and also hit the subscribe button. It does mean the world to me and it's a great way for this podcast to get into more ears. It's a place for you to come and hopefully be inspired by the stories of these incredible people who have lived great lives but have learned some lessons along the way and are being brave enough and vulnerable enough to share their stories with you. So big thanks to all of the previous guests. Please go back and check out the whole catalogue. There is so many stories that have taught me so much. So I really encourage you to go back, listen to them all, be curious. Today's guest is, as I said before, a very good friend of mine. His name's Ned Symes. Ned's a photographer, shoots big uh, festivals, shoots big models, fashion, and is just so passionate about his craft. He's been working his way up and has a story that I really didn't know and something that I got out of this podcast that hopefully you'll get as well listening is the power of having a conversation with a friend. Ned and I have been quite close friends for mm, I'd say about five years or maybe actually less, maybe three or four years now, but I'd never actually taken the time to sit down and get to know his story. So I encourage you, if you listen to this podcast and think, oh, you know what, I should probably have a chat with a new friend of mine that I've been friends with for a year or two, go and have a chat with them and say, hey, I want to get to know your story. Put your phones down and just have a good yarn because I tell you what, I learned so much about Ned and I know that it's going to strengthen our friendship. Um, Yeah, some things, learning about what he did in his school years, learning a bit more about his family and also learning about um, Camp America and what he does going over to America every year for a couple months and just the zest that Ned has for life and his passion for improvement and helping people is really special. I think you're going to love this episode. So welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Ned Symes. How you going, mate? <laughs> Very well. Excited to be here. Man, I'm so pumped to have this chat. We were just talking off air. For anyone listening, Ned is one of my best friends. We've been very close friends for probably about five years now. And I was saying to him off air, this is going to be a really cool conversation because although we know each other very well, especially the last five years, I probably don't know Ned's story as deep as I feel like I should as a friend. And I think a lot of you out there listening might get some similarities to people that you've met in the recent years and maybe get some inspiration from this conversation to maybe try and learn a bit more about someone's past. So let's get into your story, Ned. The first question I, the first question I ask everyone is, what are you grateful for? Um, oh, my God. Can't start. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, at like the moment, I'm just grateful for like being able to do what like I'm super, super passionate about and mm. have been able to turn it into a, 
a job essentially at the end of the day. Like, I mean, it doesn't feel like a job, but it's one of those things where it did, it started purely as like a passion project and it just like evolved step by step by step by step into this little thing that I've got going now where, yeah, it pays the bills and also I get to work with people that I'm like obviously great friends with and love working with. And I don't know, I feel like it's one of those, yeah, just grateful to be able to work with cool people and do what I don't you know, love every day. Do what I love every day. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, you know, you like, you get, you, you walk through doors you'd never be able to walk through if you didn't like follow that thing, that one thing that you were going to do a few years ago. Like, mm. if you didn't do it, you'd be in yeah. the same room you were in five years ago. We're now I've been able to walk through hallways of rooms. Like, that's exactly. a bad analogy, but like, oh, just the opportunities that yeah, come with the yeah. work that you're doing. So, I guess maybe tell the listeners what do you do? Ah, uh, so I'm a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Click buttons. Everyone else does the hard work. I just push the buttons. No, I'm very good at pushing the buttons uh, and yeah, understanding the whole photography fun. world, but. Let's rewind. Let's go back to the story of Ned. Where'd you, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? What was your family life like? Siblings? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually born in Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, and got one a younger brother, Tom. He's, uh, he's a paramedic, so he's riding around in an ambulance saving lives. And mum and dad, mum is a teacher and dad designs golf courses, which is like a crazy weird, that's why I'm so good at golf, but <laughs> <laughs> crazy like weird job that no one really expects, but golf courses need to be built but insane like with his work when i was younger we moved like every two two and a, like two and a half three years to build a golf course so yeah, we true. were kind of everywhere like i was born in adelaide but we lived um like up in port stevens we lived in indonesia um some island in indonesia. i can't like i was obviously quite young but yeah so was kind of growing up like kind of everywhere and then once we got into like that more mature school age we were like we'll settled in sydney and dad got a, a, a spot here and so we um kind of been here ever since but so yeah. you ended up here wh- how old were you when you began to really base yourself in sydney because what was that like from your memory of primary school kind of chopping and changing do you feel like it was a good experience for you did you enjoy getting to change quite often i think we were just we were stoked when we were moving a lot it was just like this whole new place every now and then it's like yeah we get to go somewhere else we get to go somewhere else we always had like a solid base especially in adelaide like with long long long-term friends um and like all my uncles and aunties and cousins are all in adelaide so we had like this solid base but it was always just like yeah we get to go here for a while we get to go there and i there's the stints kind of started to like shorten as we got older because they're obviously conscious of like schooling and stuff so but then yeah when dad got this job in sydney we sort of packed up and moved to sydney um like pri- start a primary school age like quite young but, okay so you're kind yeah. of like young young you're moving around then yeah, once you yeah, got into yeah. school once we got, into like got school a bit more of a base let's yeah. fast forward a little bit into sort of high school uh-huh. what were you passionate about were you into any sports yeah. um yeah what was the kind of mindset going into high school i was I actually went to a, a sports high school so you went to narrabeen right? yeah, yeah yeah so we were we were kind of like i was westfield sports high oh yeah i we did a workshop like, there actually recently no way yeah yeah that's so insane that's cool because i remember i went to they actually sent me an email like two days ago to come back there that's sick yeah i want to go i've never i've been once in school but um yeah which is funny when i saw your school when i, I took those photos for you at that narrabeen, that big yeah, one yeah. that was really sick to see um it was interesting seeing like another sports high school but yeah, so I went to Westwood Sports and I was there for athletics. So like same as you, you get like it's selected yeah, to yeah. go there. Um, and yeah, I was like a jumper. So I did like high jump, long jump, triple jump and like pole vault, which was like eventually turned into like my main sport wow. there, which was kind of gnarly. So 
Isn't this crazy? I'm having a conversation with one of my best mates and I had no idea that you were mad into athletics. I was a full, like full on pole vaulter. That's so cool. We'd go and compete in nationals and like we did, um, like a bunch of American athletes came over and we competed in Queensland and yeah, that was like my whole sort of through school. But towards the end, I got really into mountain biking Uh and that was kind of where I think the very start of my kind of photo world like started to open. It was Why always, is that through mountain biking? Why? It kind of just like goes Nature. hand in hand with like when you start to mountain bike, the guys you look to, like the you go on YouTube or mm. like whatever the cool mountain bike blogs were at the time and you – all. it's always about like obviously like the racing aspect of it but it's also about like the same as surfing, like the video parts, mm. like who's bringing what out and you always look and it's like, oh, shit, Brandon Seminark's just done like this sick party in Whistler like, and you have to go and watch it. So it kind of – trickles and stems down to mm. the kids in um like Heathcote race to go ride they're like oh we're gonna try and build and film this section like Seminark did in, in Squamish in Whistler and that was kind of like the birth of like my I guess like the idea that making videos and taking photos is kind of is kind of cool and yeah. like I enjoyed doing it and I was definitely more of a um a like I, I didn't have a camera. I mean, I had like a little camcorder or something, but it was all about like would have it. Someone would have a camera, would all go out and like all just shoot this stuff together. I didn't really realize mm. that I enjoyed taking the photo at the time, but I think that was the start of like just visually doing stuff essentially. Yeah, I like that. It's um, yeah. it's super interesting. It's nice watching you reflect there. Kind yeah. of, you can see you kind of thinking through your head. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, those moments were kind of when I really started. Getting I've never into like it. I've never thought about it like that before until like right now. Like I said before this, I was. I was going to listen to another podcast before I came, but I wanted to go into this like completely like. How good are, how good are you good mates that don't even listen to any of your episodes? <laughs> I'm joking. I, I've heard, I, I've heard I, some. I've said that before the episode. I was like, have you listened to any episodes just so you understand the flow of these episodes? And he was like, I was going to listen to one on the way over, but I decided to come in blank. And I was like, it's funny when you, when you start a business and I've got, this is not at all a rip on you or any one of my friends, but when you start a business and a podcast, you very quickly learn that your fans and your audience aren't your friends in like a, like once you can drop yeah. the ego of that and you go like, Hey, this is completely fine. We're also in consumed in our own lives. But yeah. I think it's also yeah. like, cause we're like kind of part of the process. So mm. essentially like by the time you've released a podcast or like you've I've already told you about, about, it, heard and about exactly. it. Yeah. And like, exactly. I bought like shirts when they came out the first yeah, time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a shirt. Cause it's like exciting. But exactly. It's um like, I mean, I like the shirts. So I'm not going to wear it every single day. Like well, I'll precursor that. You are one of the friends who actually has bought my merch yeah, and got around yeah, it. I, yeah. I throw you under the bus there. <laughs> like, but, the, but I'm like very aware that not everyone listens to podcasts. And yeah. Not I'm, not a, I'm not a podcast. Exactly. Kind of and person. like I don't – yeah, anyway. But yeah, yeah. I, think, like, I think part of that understanding of like your friend, the friends are always going to support you, mm. especially like our friends. We're always going to back everyone. Yeah. Like even if someone does something, you're like it's kind of lame. Like I'm still going to – yeah. I'm still going to support it no matter what it is. But um, I think the process of like even the gratitude shirts, mm. you were like, you showed me a few months ago. Like, And I was like so into the idea then. I yeah. was like, this is sick. And when it came out, I'm like, fuck, it's, it's cool. It's finally come out. Like, this is Yeah, sick. watching the process yeah. of stuff and being involved. And I feel like our friendship group has that really well. That there's so many incredibly talented and creative people that have their own success in their own industry that's really exciting. So, so it's like- I think that comes back to what I was just saying, this idea of they don't consume your stuff. And it's 
I know it's nothing to do with me yeah. because everyone's so busy. And like I was speaking to, um, I was with Harry Bink the other day yeah. and we were just hanging out and I was like, oh, did you know Corey, like Corey Tunison, our other good friend, won a world t- oh, like won a world championship event yesterday. And he was like, oh no, that's mad. that's mad. And I'm just like, it's crazy how like our internal reality is like Corey right now is on top of the moon. He's like it's winning so world crazy. championship events, yet our circle who are so supportive and love everything he does. It's just off our Don't radar. even grasp yeah. it. That's funny that you say exactly with Corey. So when I went overseas last year, we were going together and it was like weird because no one else could travel, but me and him both had like mm. this opportunity to go. And I saw him, he came to Bondi and he something happened with his, when he first tried to leave. His visa. So oh, some, yeah, 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 he got stuck in Sydney. No, so he, he didn't come, get his PCR in time. That's it, that's it. So he had to leave and then come back. And I saw, we had dinner that night and I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll see you. I'll, like, I'll be in Florida. Like I'll, I'll try and see you. Never ended up seeing him and like, he went and won like the whole series. Yeah, he won the world title. But then I came back to the Gold Coast like at the start of this year, just after we both sort of got back. And I was like, oh, how was your, <laughs> how was, how'd you go? And he's like, oh, I just, oh, yeah, I won. I think I was with you I when was we like, got up. Yeah, yeah probably. Was a couple of weeks he's ago. like, yeah, I won. Like it was, it was sweet. I was like, you just won the whole thing. He's like, it's crazy that because you are like, I guess like friends, you're not, you just see things like, oh, that's cool. Like mm. it's mad, but we're, we're so like into other stuff that. Yeah. We well, there's, there's just so much hyper success across our friendship group that it's like it's crazy yeah but i think there's a good understanding around it as well but let's get back to your story yeah. L- leaving high school what did you finish high school yeah, and yeah. then leaving yeah. high school what were your kind of vi- what was your vision and goals for what you thought your future was going to look like finishing school so that was like i was like a bit of a crossroads as the peak of when i was riding bikes and i was like on the national series and i was like doing it. i wasn't like i was never the quickest guy in the country but i was always like I was around, like people knew I was there. I was yeah. like, I was competitive. The pace was there, but it was, I was, I used to crash a lot, whatever. <laughs> it was a slam sellout. What's your worst crash? Well, that's what kind of stopped me from okay. racing, which was in Adelaide. It was the national championships in Adelaide. And I crashed and hit a tree and like hit my face. And um, I was like, you wear a full face helmet and stuff, but all my face was all beat up. And like my ribs, like something happened with my back and a tore cartilage in my back, which is, Crazy a lot of swelling and stuff. I had to get like rescued out of there and wow. taken to the hospital, which was really gnarly. What was that experience like? What can you remember from that? Um, sucking on the green whistle as I was like How strapped to a bag. I must have been 17. Strapped to a um, like a board with like a bag thing. It was weird. I was like getting winched up a mountain because it's like quite steep. Yeah, wow. And I was by myself too. I was 17 on my own. I remember I was in the ambulance or I just got to the hospital and I called my mom and I was like, oh, I'm all good, but I'm in the hospital. And mum was just like, oh no, what have you done? Like mum and dad are very, like, very chill, like so chill. And if she was like, I asked her, I was like, were you worried? She's like, because you called me, I was fine. Like if some doctor from Adelaide was like, mm. so Ned's in hospital, I'd be stressed. How'd you but, call the ambulance to come go, like whatever to come get well, you? To it's like it was a national championship. So there's like uh, St. John's ambulance and there's okay, an ambulance okay, there. Okay. And where I was on the track was kind of like a point where people have crashed before. So yeah, there was like people right there to kind of yeah. winch me out. But um, yes, yeah, so that was kind of a bit of a tipping point in the whole racing thing. It was like, damn, I've just slammed real hard. Like it's it's hard to mentally come back from that, and and physically as well. Like yeah. the last thing I want to do is go slam into another tree. Like it's it's gnarly. So that was a bit of a point where I was like, oh, maybe I should maybe race a bit less and kind of put my eggs in another basket. And that was at the end of school as well. I just about to graduate high school. And I kind of had this like plan in my head. I was like going to finish high school, go to university, get a degree that somewhat mirrored like what my dad was doing. 
work for dad horticulture sort of stuff. yeah yeah and like work in the golf industry and start to build golf course and that was kind of gonna be it and like i went i went to uni for a semester straight out of high school and within <laughs> a couple of weeks i knew it wasn't for me like i was i would go to uni and there was a wake park right near right nearby oh, no. and i would like, like go Penrith? yeah Penrith. it was like miles i had to drive like on the m7 yeah. and oh, all the way out there it was so far but i'd get there and like I'd sit in the car park and I had every intention of going to that class or tutorial. Oh, something's coming up on you. Low battery. Oh. oh, no, it's just something. I had every intention of going to that class. And I would get there and like my wakeboard would be in the back. I'd be like, I'll go to this one tutorial that I have to go to and then I'll go to wakeboard. Any excuse not to go. And then I'd just be like, what's the point? Like, I'm like, and I'd be like, why am I even doing it? So I'd just end up just driving out the driveway, going wakeboard for the day and then just cruise home and, Mum would be like, oh, how was uni? I was like, oh, it was all right. It was pretty good. How was, that, how was that decision to make pulling the pin on uni? Was that a hard decision to make for you at what, um, in your late not teens? Really. I think mum almost gave me a bit of a, I don't know whether she's like, mum's know everything, right? Yeah. Like, like subconsciously kind of knew, I think. So Camp America came about, which was, is a huge part of my life. So my cousin, Millie, she did it maybe two or three years before me. So I kind of, this is while I was in, in school. I kind of knew about it and she was always like, oh yeah, it was this great thing. I got to go to America and I was, and I don't know whether I was like super hell bent on like going traveling and doing all that stuff, but like it was there, like it was in my head. And I think a few years before mum had even like signed me up to like a information class or an email list. So I'd get these emails that always, it was always there. And then, um, yeah, I was like not enjoying uni. It was kind of like this thing where it's, I don't really want to be doing what I'm doing here. So what's something I can do that's not just, nothing Dead right time. It's, it's still steps towards it's step towards something i didn't i was 18 yeah, years old learning. i didn't know what i wanted to do um and it was literally the very last day you could sign up for this thing and i was like i'm just gonna do it so whacked all my stuff in paid so what's camp first. america for people listening so camp america is a cultural exchange program so you as like a young australian you sign up and is it just for Australians or? It's all over the world. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over the world. Um, they have like different offices, massive in the UK, uh, but you're obviously quite big here. And yeah, you sign up and you type in like, it's like a whole big profile. And it's like, you'd be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a surfer and I do this, that and the other. And I was like, obviously I was mountain biking and wakeboarding and whatever. Here's like my skill set. Here's a little bit about me. And then. What was that like as an 18 year old? I, I don't know. I just feel like Australian culture to be different is quite confronting at that yeah. age how'd you find that to go and do something by yourself did you try and convince friends to do it with you um not really i remember telling people because i was at uni i remember telling people about uni at uni about it and i feel like their kind of like response was like oh, i'm sure you will like yeah, like yeah. like to show you like almost like this bit of like they plant that little seed of doubt yeah. in your brain like it's oh it's different from what we're all doing yeah so it's like yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll see you next Sydney. year and you'll be you'll be a year I behind. Like Sydney so much. It's yeah. so it's so gnarly. Um but yeah, so that was kind of my experience. Even yeah, like my so other So you signed up to go friends. as a guest at the camp that first year. Uh, to go and work. So Cap America program, like it met you it's cultural exchange. So you go you do get paid. It's not like a you're not getting a career wage or whatever, but But so the the people at the camp as kids yeah, and then you want to go over and do some work, but also experience America. So that's Essentially, kind of, they match you up at different camps. Yeah, kind of perfect. So you go through like Camp America, yeah, and they like interview you to make sure that 
yes, this is Ned and he's a good person and he's suitable for our program. Yeah. And then you go through that portion of the program and then there's thousands of summer camps in the US, like yeah. so many. Crazy. And a lot of them are work with Camp America or the other, there's a few other companies as well. And so they'll say, they'll be like, hey, Camp America, Australia, like we need a rock climber. So they'll be then, they'll go through all their applicants that have signed up and like, oh, here's Jim and Tim and they're, they're good rock climbers. Here's a profile. Like if you like one of them, have a chat to them. So then your profile then gets sent to, I got sent to a camp in North Carolina um, and very good friend of mine now, Ben and Jillian emailed me and were like, hey, like we're interested in you as a mountain biker. Can we like set up an interview? So I just do like a Skype interview and um, I was I was very late to the process. So at the end of the interview, Ben and Jillian were like, oh, look, we're still looking and stuff. But realistically, like they were like, we need this guy. So it's like I literally hung up from the Skype and I like, got an email saying, yes, we really like you. You come on in, which is funny. We talk, we like joke about it now. I'm still very close with them. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of like it's a huge step. You're just like 18 years old. You've just kind of got this job in America and it's like, all right, do your visa and get on a plane. Mm. And obviously, like how America kind of guide you very step by step on like how to do it. But it's still... At the end of the day, like you're at the airport on your own, mm. you're getting on the plane on your own, you've got to deal with immigration like on your own and like you've got all the right stuff obviously, but you know what it's like, it's intimidating a I little bit. I think this bit. is such an interesting, I don't know why my head's gone to this, but I find this is such a great leeway for people to do if they want to go and experience life. And I speak about it a lot as a young athlete getting to travel and so many of my guests are athletes and we understand the incredible opportunities yeah. that we got and I've been trying to rack my head for like, obviously there's just like going to travel. Yeah. But getting to travel and make money, it can be quite hard, especially at a young age, to make the decision, but also understand a way to do it. Yeah. This sounds like such an incredible way it's, to do it, to go, hey, you know so what? Good. I'm going to go and live for a few months in America. I'll get a job. I'll get paid and I'll work at a camp. And, and yeah. Like, like I was saying before, like before we started this whole thing, that Camp America program fully shaped me now mm. and like shaped my career and shaped the people I surround, like the the reason I like surround myself with certain people and just like the way I conduct myself was completely, was because of this Camp America program. I'll tell you what, I reckon 95% of your friends probably don't even know what Camp America is or no, that no, you do anything no, with it. No. I'm a good, I'm a good friend. I know a bit about the Camp yeah, America yeah, yeah. stuff, but Let's um let's keep going into it. What was that first year like rocking up in America, not knowing anyone, anyone eighteen yeah. years old, probably don't have any experience in running or like, you know, I mean being a leader and stuff. No, it's like, hard to do that. You're thrown in the deep end essentially. And it's like a a life lesson I've learned. I am now can like confidently say that I'm so much more confident swimming in the deep end than mm. than bobbing in the in the shallow end kind of thing it's like that saying in catch me if you can and he's like three mice fell into a bucket of milk one one mouse drowned the other one ran and ran churned it into butter and got out of that thing something like mm. that's, yeah, that's, yeah. but it's like that whole idea of like sink or swim it's not there's no repercussions if, if you can't if it's not for you or whatever yeah. but in my head it was like i've really got to make this work i've got to give it my all and put myself fully out there and, and commit to doing this and it's yeah the program is it's so sick it's so so good so i was yeah like i said i was based in north carolina i was employed employed is probably not even the right word but i was the 
there to teach mountain bikes. Okay. Um, so we we would work in like a team of four. So there was four of us there, and there was always there's always someone that's been there before every step of the way. Like once mm. you get there, so like yeah. even the very first day you get there before any of the kids have arrived, and you're kind of there to to set this place up. Like these camps are huge. They got lakes. They're on mountains. Like they've got a hundred. How many kids cabins. coming to the camp? Um, obviously every camp is kind of different. Mine last, not last year because of like COVID, but previous years, there was always more than a thousand people on site every single day. Oh, so this is huge, huge. scale. There's like 300. This year I've, I was actually spoke, cause I'm going next week. No, I spoke to Jillian this morning and there's 300 and something staff there and wow. 700 kids. I'll tell you what I love about you kids. we'll get into it later, but that you maintain doing this camp stuff, even though like you probably don't have to with no, your no. career now, you yeah. still get to travel the world. Yeah. You get to meet incredible people, but I love that you still go and do that. This little, this, the little, probably the favorite three months of the year for you. hundred percent. And this little six week, seven week, eight week period that I take now to go to this summer camp is so important for like the rest of my year's work. Like mm. it's almost like a lifesaver in that I'm very fortunate. Like it's not fully time off. Like I'm still actively doing stuff for my career, but it's like right, like right now I'm in like a bad, not bad, but like not the best relationship with work. Like I'm so into it. Starting, I mean, I love what I do, but I'm like starting to feel like I'm like into it. Like I love it. I'm always, 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 always doing. It. And then I get like ripped out and put in this place where I'm familiar with. It's still like hard work mm. and like i can still do stuff Take yourself but, out of that world but i'm like away from it so yeah it fully consumes it. i'm like i'm away from it so it's like i can breathe i can like slow down the process of what i want to work on and then come it's after like that build your creativity like, I'm back. back like i can and yeah. I'm like, yeah it's like free flowing but um so how long have you been doing that 10 years eight years seven years eight, eight years, years. Wow. yeah i can't remember cool. 2013 2013 that was my wow. first year so let's, what, what happens at these camps? Let's talk through. So you're saying off so, there before, it's like, and it's just American kids, yeah, get sent to like yeah, a summer I mean, camp. To, some Sometimes. camps have like yeah. a few hours. We, um, Blue Star had like some exchange like programs. Like there's some South African kids, Israeli kids. Yeah. But it's, it's like very Spanish. It's like very small. Mm. Um, but yeah, so you, you kind of go there and you're, you're kind of stuck in this like little world of your own. Like mm. it's, nothing else matters like yeah. the internet like you have obviously you have internet and reception but you're so busy that you're not really like on your phone you're not really supposed to have your phone around the kids obviously and, yeah. and stuff like that so you're fully engrossed in in this whole all these moments in this culture of like summer camp and you're kind of surrounded by kids and they're just like living this crazy and it's like so you're you have this sort of opportunity to like positively impact kids but it's also in a weird way they like influence you in yeah. in like this you become a kid again like you can you're working and stuff but like you you I don't know you're just in this crazy little flow state of just having fun and working and like doing really cool stuff and you it's just like these small little things where you'll do like a fireworks display for the kids and like you do this you light some fireworks and it's sick and you just like you're in this you've just given the kids like this crazy show and nothing else is better than that in that moment. Like mm. you're just like, holy, like I was just able to surprise these kids with, I don't know, like a, a big show somewhere or they, they weren't expecting to go into a slip and slide today, but we got it done and we like surprised mm. these kids with a slip and slide. And it's just like, it's so powerful. Like just these 
I don't know, you might be looking after 20, 30 kids at the time, but you've just like fully changed their day. Mm. And it's just like those little moments are super, super powerful. I love that. It's so cool it's watching so how, how passionate you are about it still. Like it's that both of the things that you do uh, don't feel like jobs for you. Not it's, at all. it's such a special place to be. And I definitely feel that way as well with like the stuff I do. I want to go into the part of your story where photography did Amen. become a bit more of a thing because. Yeah. It's obviously a massive thing now. And for anyone um, out there, I will leave Ned's stuff in the show, his um, Instagram and whatnot in the show notes. Um, Ned Yo, it is. <laughs> it's Ned Yo. Not many people know that Ned's last name is Simon. Yeah, I'm sure I'll post Ned Simon. People will like, say, like, What's this? I'm going to write Ned that's Yo. That's my Simes. name. Yeah, I've been introduced <laughs> as like, Wait, Nedio, that's like your name. I was it's like, no, crazy how some people's Instagram stick with like I don't know. Be careful with what you call your Instagram. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, so yeah, let's talk about photography. Uh-huh. Let's obviously rewind back to this sort of like 18 to early 20s years. Yeah. When did photography become more of a passion? And then what was that sort of stepping stone for you into the industry? Because it's <laughs> hell of an industry. <laughs> it's an I love the it's industry. It's sick too. Yeah. It's sick. But it is like it's like you And like we'll get into it. But you work now for some guys who I've known for 12 years because of surfing because somehow these guys who own a huge photography business yeah, also yeah. own a – I mean, also a big in the surf industry. Huge in the surf industry. And it yeah. means I can now work with people in the surf. It's crazy. Exactly. Everything's um, intertwined. But yeah, definitely started, I would say, like through that mountain biking year. Like I was saying before, it's like, I don't know, it was all the all the biggest riders were doing these cool pro video parts or they were doing cool photos here, there, everywhere. So that's definitely kind of where it started. And then I remember in high school when you're in year 10 or whatever and you pick your subjects for year 11 and 12, mm-hmm. it was right when I was like kind of thinking about it and I tried to pick photography. And I remember Miss, what was her, what was her name? Wasn't Miss Moraro? She was my science teacher. Miss art teacher. I can't remember who it was. She was like my year advisor. Oh, okay. And everyone, like once you you select your subjects, you give them in, and everyone in the year goes through and has like a quick five minute chat about your subjects. Normally, it's like, yeah, all good. Like I think you'd be good in this class. Yeah. Off you go. And photography was my one of my classes, and I wasn't like, I wasn't like a bad student by any means, but I was like, I was. Maybe like boisterous, like I don't know, I'd chat yeah. and I was like You're a I wasn't like in, in there school. like studying. Like yeah. I was I was having fun, like I was yeah. social, whatever. And I remember going into this little office and she was like, Oh Ned, like your subjects look really good. And then she didn't even like really give me the a question. She just like photography, you can't do it. And I was kinda like, I didn't even like I don't feel like I didn't even say anything. She was like, No, nah, like, um, we're gonna put you into the engineering class instead just because that's much more of like a thing for you like, yeah like it's better for your thing it's a bit more hands-on and the photo- other photography students are much more like i guess like introverted or whatever and it's like you're just not going to fit in that class we're going to move you isn't that so interesting imagine how many kids get held back because a teacher tells them not yeah. to do something and it was like, like this imagine how much weird thing yeah quicker you might have learned about cameras and learn about yeah. the art of photography if you didn't get that sort of handbrake ripped by the teacher yeah. and it was like at the time, it was one of those things. I didn't. You don't really think about it. I was kind of mm. like, "Oh, it's a teacher. Like, I'm gonna do it." She you tells me, "Really, that. never know what like a pivot point of no. your life is." Yeah, she was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "All right, well, I guess I'm doing engineering now. Photography's sounded yeah, cool, me. but I'm yeah. not gonna do it. Whatever." Um, and yeah, so that was like a like you said a handbrake. But then doing the whole Cape America program, it kind of opened so many doors in terms of travel. So after I did that first year, I once you do a year, you kind of. I knew 100% in my mind I was coming back. I was going to go back and do it. I, was, I didn't know I was going to do it for eight years, but 
I knew that I was going to go back and do this summer camp again. And then I was just lucky I fell into like a, a little cool little friendship group of Ben and Joss and Grayson and and we ended up for the next like four years would go to Canada in the winter and like go on snowboard and then would come back to – we had a car. We had a 1993 uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser. I like wooden panels on the side of it would like – we had like a map like drawn on the roof of the car. Like everyone that got in there would write the name on it. It was this whole little thing. But we'd drive from Whistler, from, from North Carolina all the way up to Whistler, do a season there, and we'd drive back to uh, North Carolina and do summers there. So we were surrounded by like some of the most beautiful places in the world. Like Whistler's unbelievable. Mm. And there's pro athletes around all the time, summer and winter, biking and snowboarding. And then North Carolina, I'm with a bunch of like cool people traveling and, and doing this stuff. So I um photography is kind of like just being in those places it just kind of happened essentially mm. after my first year at camp there's a there's a photography program there I don't know if I've actually said this to any I must have there's a photography program there and we're packing up the camp and I remember packing up the photographer after the kids have left packing up the photographer and we put all these cameras like in this locked room and I've never done anything like this before but <laughs> borrowed a camera for you. yeah i was like this camera's literally gonna sit in here i know i'm like i know I, this is before i'd even been invited back to the camp like you have to at the end of the year they're like all right you were great like we'd love to have you back mm. kind of thing and if, if it yeah. didn't work out they'll be like sorry like i didn't really yeah. like, go and try something else and i was just like this 18 i was like yes i'm coming back like i love this place this is sick all my friends are here like i love this stuff and i was like we're going to canada I need a camera. <laughs> I remember taking it as a Canon 60D and I took it out of there. I remember putting it in my bag and I was like, I'm, I'm coming back, so it's fine. This isn't anything wrong. And that was like, that was it. That was the, the stepping stone into, no into taking photos. And I was, yeah, living in. Did you return the camera? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, went back there. I went back there and then I bought that camera again, like myself. Okay. It was, I was like, it was like say, a little... I might not be able to post this. This is Good Humans podcast. <laughs> I'm just stolen. Yeah. No, stolen. It was, nah. Um, I, it hey, was, when yeah. it turns to something that helps you ignite your passion, I'm sure Absolutely. whoever this camera it was would have been stoked that and it assisted that. I'm sure that the owners of that camper, they're okay with the fact that I rented the camera. <laughs> Borrowed the camera. <laughs> Borrowed it, exactly. So let's talk about the next kind of stages into um, your 20s. So you're doing a season in Whistler and then you yeah. do in America. Are you, what, what are you doing for work when you come back to Australia? Are you making enough money doing photography yet? Because I know photography is a hell of a stepping stone to yeah. get to where you are now. It's it's definitely tough. I was, it was, so I was doing that for like four years, the whole summer and winter over and the US thing. And then what were you doing thing. for Oz? I, mean, I, I didn't come back. I didn't come back. Or you were, I was gone for like, I think four years, to, maybe three and a half years total was the longest. What doing winter at yeah. the snow for six months at yeah. Whistler? What and, and then, then six months of summer? And we again? just drove. So we'd go October, October, November through to April was the snow season. Yeah. And then we'd drive. We'd always take like a week. We'd drive through like we're yeah, just four yeah. idiots like driving around America in this car. Like we'd, we'd entertain ourselves and <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. And we had lots of friends. We'd go and visit and stuff as well. So we'd always, and then we'd drive back and, the summer camp would start like May 1st, sometimes a little bit before that, and they would go all the way through down to August. So then we'd have like a little period of August through like October where you'd always, you just work two seasons, you get a little bit of money like saved up. So it would go like Mexico or like Central America on, or South America. Or yeah, yeah, dude, like that kind of stuff. Go to England for a bit. And um, yeah, so that was like kind of that whole 
four-year period. And then the only reason I kind of stopped going to Canada is because there's a limit on how many visas you can get. You can, when I was doing it, I think it's different now, but you can only get two two-year visas. Uh-huh. And so it was after those two, two years, like those four years doing it. And I came back to Oz and I was, I don't know what I had. I kind of probably didn't really have any plans. Um, but then I ended up getting a job for Camp America in their office in Sydney. That's why I kind of know a lot about like the ins yeah, and outs yeah. and stuff. I was working in their Sydney office full-time behind a desk and like it was. So they're that big that they have offices in Australia yeah. to help people like you or get yeah. kids to go over no I get people like me so they're that big that they have like yeah. offices all around the world all to like find employees so it's multi all over world, I mean like, there's cultural. like the it's main for the kids as well to learn about different cultures like I'm sure you educate so the kids on America yeah. because I like I know what Americans are like and you speak in Australian accent to them and they lose like, their oh mind oh my god like they yeah, kind of like could not work kind of out. have their blinkers on a little bit Americans mm. it is like it's we're brought up in a very different kind of I guess like attitude towards traveling and stuff. Mm. A lot of Americans are kind of like no disrespect to Americans, but it's like high school, college, job, move to yeah. wherever you're going to, wherever you work. Go to Mexico be. once a year. Exactly. Go That's to Carver, spring yeah. break. It's yeah. like the idea that we move overseas when we're 18, 19, is just mind blowing to some, a lot of Americans. So you, you definitely opened up the opportunity, like you changed the mind of so many young kids to want to experience yeah. stuff. It's cool to have that impact. It's funny now, like some of the kids that I first um was there when i was like 18 and now like 22 years old so like i'll see them at like wherever we catch up or something and it's like kind of growing up together it's kind of it's crazy and i mean it's they grew up at summer camp like doing the program but in a way like i got to grow up at summer camp mm. as well like different parts of our lives but it was so super impactful for for everyone like for both of like both parties i guess involved yeah, that's so cool. Let's, so gnarly. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating getting to chat to you about like, this. I could, it's like I could talk a- about like summer camp and that whole work travel dream like forever. It's just even when I, like I said before, I started working at Camp America, um, that part of my job was to go and do, I can't remember what they're called now, but I'd go to like, same with what you do, like go to high schools and like talk to students. Except and tell them about I would, I just I would just go there and like there was a slideshow about, the program and, and the specifics, but I'll just like tell them about my story and, and like what I did. And, and that was for them to try and get like exchange kids to go over exactly, and do four yeah, weeks to over go there and, and take. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to take off time during winter, which it, yeah, it's crazy in America where they've got like three months summer holidays, huh? So, like, yeah, yeah, but like we were talking off air before, like the kids are getting sent to this camp for four weeks, so it's not like a school. sometimes, sometimes seven yeah, weeks, sometimes seven weeks. So, yeah. it's not like this school. I mean, for one, it sounds like parents are just like sweet holidays for me. I mean, for a, few a lot months. of them do like, oh, we're gonna go skiing in the Swiss Alps now, like yeah. enjoy, enjoy summer camp. But I also think it's a very instrumental thing for a young kid to go to a camp like that. For one, to be able to communicate with different people and learn yeah. how to somewhat fend for yourself without your parents around. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's such a cool concept. It's something I wish I got to do when I was a kid. It's, Although that would be f- like seven weeks of not surfing for me. So, yeah. yeah, I mean maybe a Hawaiian camp and go surf. Hawaiian camp, there, there's one there. But um, yeah, it's it's yeah. I, the first thing you think when you go away from doing the program is kind of like, oh, I wish I got to do that as a kid. Mm. Like it's it's so cool. It's so sick, and you get to. Like you see these kids change in a six-week period and then if you go back multiple years, you see these kids like develop, change and grow up and you like I would teach a kid who's 
eight years old to ride a bike and then four years down the track we're like on a full day mountain biking together mm. and it's like oh like that's crazy that my little lesson on the soccer field when you're eight years old has now turned into us like on a full-on adventure out in the woods like there's a whole crew of us out there riding mm. bikes and it's 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 super cool to see that's so cool so insane. it looks like you can just see how like stoked you are and how fulfilled you are that it, kind of way. it's it's mental Let's, so let's get into the photography a little bit more. Yeah, where was, when did photography really take off for you, would you say? Because now you're shooting some of the biggest models in the world. I want to talk to you a little bit about New York and yeah. shooting those sort of parties that you were doing last year. Yeah. What was? What do you feel like was your first sort of big break where you're like, oh, you know what? I can do photography as a career. Was there a moment? I think the moment of like the tipping point was when I was working full time still. And it was probably like right at the start of when we started hanging out, like mm. 2018, 19. And maybe it was early, I can't remember. And yeah. I was like working full time and I'd, I'd go, I'd finish like work on a Friday afternoon and I'd fly out to Queensland or Melbourne or New Zealand or wherever it was and shoot like Saturday, Sunday and then fly back Monday morning and get in at seven and go straight to the office and like work. And I would- And you're was, shooting most of that parties and stuff? Yeah, it was like yeah. festivals. Yeah. That was like how I kind of got started. Was um was my cousin's a, a DJ he's with Future Classic and yeah. I did some stuff for him and that kind of got the ball rolling and with that whole thing when the ball was like rolling it, it happens pretty quick yeah but um yeah so I did that and there was like I remember I was I'd like I was in the office I was still working but yeah, yeah. I was in a, I was writing my invoices from the weekend and yeah. it was like these invoices from the weekend are more than like my month's pay in this office. And that was like my moment of like, and definitely wasn't fully money. Yeah. Like wasn't just about that money, but it was about I'm um, stretching myself so thin to do what I love doing, which is because I'm stretched so thin. It's affecting like what I'm doing in this office. And like you said before, like I'm so passionate about that program that the fact that that wasn't, I was still in the office sitting there, but I wasn't fully the there part of mentally. It you love doing, yeah. I was like, I'd go in there and like do work, but I'd also like in my head, I was like editing photos on the side or, and that to me was like, one was like, I can make more money doing photos, but two was like, I'm, I don't want to lose what I love about Camp America or what I love about this. You love the what activity part, the camp part of it, not the admin back. Yeah. Or like, I didn't want to lose my, I didn't want to go to a school to talk about how good the program is but have lost that Resenting kind of like spark because of like because it's like oh it's kind of holding my back my photo mm. career um so that was yeah kind and of did like you also feel like there's point. a lot more chance to grow in the photography career absolutely yeah absolutely it was like sky's the limit like yeah the program that where i was working in the office was definitely it was ne- like and everyone knew it like everyone that i worked with it was never going to be like my end game yeah i've i've you hang out with me for 10 minutes, you know I'm not built for an office chair kind yeah. of thing. Like, it's like with all our friends. Like imagine yeah. any of our mates sitting in an office all day. <laughs> it would go insane. <laughs> and so that's like what it, where I was at. And, yeah, that was kind of definitely that tipping point. And it also came like hand in hand with um, being able to work with like cooler brands and stuff like that um, and meeting like I was sort of put into a good little – good little crew with like you guys and like got to work with Josh and Steph who were like, yeah, how'd you meet out. those two? For anyone listening, Josh um, Miller and Steph Miller, Steph Claire Smith. She'd been a guest on the, in the pod actually. A great friends of ours. And I think that's how I met you. It would have been through, yeah. 
a party with the brand they used to own. But yeah, it was... I remember the party. I think it was like Australia Day. It was day. Australia Day party. I think it was the day that I met them as well. Probably, because I met... Through I would I met Alex you and, and Alex and, and Butters, yeah. Yeah. And I basically just like text Josh being like, hey, can I come and like shoot your party? And I was like... And that's how you met him. And that was it. And he was, he was just like... Yeah, man, for sure. Like, like do you that. want like do you want some money or, or anything? I was like, oh, no. Nah, like, let me just do this one, and oh, we'll see how this see how this kind of goes. No, never met them before. You just knew no, who they were no. through social media. I don't even know how I like Chose came to, across yeah. them. Like, it was just this, and they'll do. I was living in like just down the road from Watson's, Watson's Bay, Bay in Rushcutters Bay. See, I don't even know this part of our origin story that you yeah. didn't know them before that day either. No, like, no. it's so crazy. Like that was the weirdest. Like day a lot of people. That was met only when I day. first. That was like when I first kind of started even really hanging out with Alex, to be honest. And like, that was like, a, I met heaps of people that day for the first time. Like Mitch, Mitch and Chloe, Paul, Mitch and yeah, Chloe. Yeah, I met um, them that Mitch day. Mitch Third, I'm pretty sure I met for the first time that Sam Earp, Sam Evans, I met that Sam day. Earp, Sam Evans, crazy. That was like, a weird, that was like the, that were the days. Those they were so <laughs> summer parties were sick. Those Oakley parties were Oakley, Oakley. <laughs> no, no, um, um, but yeah, that was like the, the start of, where it was kind of like that's oh, yeah, really like, cool because that cool. was the start of a huge opportunity for you i mean we won't speak to what <laughs> happened but there was like obviously a lot of growth for you as a person and relationship huge. building through those two and just like i owe so much to that period of like my life and i think like their life as well it was like, a huge moment of networking for so many of us so it was it was this it was such it was a like cool the perfect thing. storm of meeting so many of us that were so I think the best way I break it down is so passionate about so many things without being competitive against each that, other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Quite often our best friends, for instance, me with my surfing. Throughout my surf career, a lot of my best friends were surfers. Surfers, yeah. But there's still that, even if it's not conscious, there's that kind of subconscious you're trying to better, beat the person. 100%. Whereas like we touched on at the start of the podcast, this idea of not caring about what they're doing, but just caring about who they are. Who they are and exactly. that's what I feel like. And we all are inspired by each other with the like the pursuit of excellence that we all have. Hundred absolutely. Mm. And it's it's yeah, it's, it's rare. I, I feel couldn't like it's be very unique. We're so lucky. I can't like I can't surf for the life of me. Like you know we've been out together. <laughs> you catch eighty five waves in the forty five minutes and I'm literally paddling that. I just don't I can't I can't get so it. I've can't never ridden a mountain bike. I actually did it before this chat that you were a mountain bike. I've you surprised me all the time. But yeah, it's just now but um yeah, I think that little period in 2019 really, like, started gelling a whole... And that's how, like, our group chat started. Mm, puppet yeah. Powers. Yeah, we have a thing called Puppet Powers. With, who else that's, have I had on the podcast that's on here? Alex, Daisy. Benny. Yeah. I need to interview all the boys. Hopefully people, after listening to this chat, it's just like a weird mid-podcast precursor. This can be a bit of inspiration for you to sit down with one of your mates and put your phone away and just be like, let me know your story. What did you? Yeah. What 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 was your upbringing like? You'll be. Fa- I'm blown away by this conversation. I had no idea you're into athletic, so that you're athletics. I had no idea if you're mountain biking. I had no idea that you've been doing the camp for eight years. Yeah. And like we said, and like we, and well, even so like I had no idea that you only met Josh and Steph, the people who I thought you were best friends with for years. The same day the you same met day them. I met yeah. you and them. Like, yeah. it's crazy. What's everyone everyone thinks I'm from Melbourne because like yeah. I go I stay there and stuff and like yeah. oh you're from Melbourne like how oh, it's like, just baffling just. From a conversation, how much you can learn about someone if you're willing to listen and just sit there and have a chat. But anyway, let's keep going with photography. Let's talk about that sort of accelerated stage of your career where, yeah, you met Josh and Steph. So I think when did the like party and yeah, because I've watched your career and it's like 
a lot of photographers get pretty trapped, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, all right, I'm a party photographer. All right, I'm a fashion photographer. Uh-huh. All right, I'm working for this company. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot get trapped. You've done very well to kind of keep your freelance but still have company work. Absolutely, yeah. How have you found that balance? Um, it's it's tough. Like it's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's tough, tough, but I think it comes from like weirdly just believing in yourself and being like – if you're like stoked – with who you are like mm. mentally physically however and you understand like you're not there yet beyond this process like even at the moment like i'm in the like really unfit at the moment but i know like i went for a run today i'm gonna go tomorrow like i'm stoked that i'm on the process to to do better so i'm stoked with like how i am mm. and i also love the stuff that i do mm. i love the work that i put like i'm and I'm not afraid to like admit it. Like I'm essentially my own biggest fan. Like I look at my own photos mm. and be like, I love that. Like this is sick. And I think if you can be in that, like nothing can stop that mindset, I don't mm. think. If I think you- as well, like that mindset, this idea of like loving what you do is a really powerful thing because then you're far less swayed by criticism. Yeah. But you're also can take criticism on because you care so much about, about what being you're doing. Good. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely, so it's yeah. kind of this paradox of, and it's, it's hard because there is a lot of people out there that don't love what they do. That's why it is so important to do like what you did with yeah. the camp stuff to find it. But yeah, I think this idea of pursuing excellence when you can kind of drop the ego is such a positive way to live. Uh, yeah. And I think it's, you can't, if you, if you don't, if you're not truly passionate, you don't really love what you're doing. And you kind of start doing stuff for other validation, like inst- like because it's sick on Instagram mm-hmm. or like because whatever. That's when you kind of fall into that trap of being like, oh, I'll just work for such and such brand because I know they like my stuff and I'm just going to get continued validation. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get stuck in that whole, I know I'm good at this one thing. I know this brand or this agency or this publication likes my stuff. So I'm just going to shoot this because it's, I know like it's it's risk free essentially like you kind of it takes away any the idea that you're not going to mm. the someone's not going to like what yeah, yeah. secure exactly exactly it's like security for your own emotions but when you're sure enough about yourself and proud enough of your own work yeah. it doesn't really sway you that much if someone says I don't like it you either go hmm. that's either helpful cuz yeah. it's going to make me improve on what I do yeah. or I don't care if you don't like it. I like that's it. That's like I, that's that's exactly it. Like I don't I don't care. And like I definitely I always ask specific people like stuff about my work. Like it's weird. I send always send stuff to my mum because she's like obviously gonna be my biggest supporter. But your mum's like the mo- you can be so honest with your parent, right? Mm. Like they're gonna they might see a photo and be like, Ned, what is that? Like what do you what do you do? Like she's like to me and she's. 50-something years old, doesn't really use Instagram that much. So her perspective isn't – it's not skewed by, oh, my God, this girl's got like a million followers. It mm. has to be a sick photo. So that's, inter- that's so I interesting always, you bring that up. Sorry, I always yeah. send it to my, to my mum. And I sent uh, Josh. We talk, I talk yeah. to Josh like every Best day. Moments, yeah. And he, um, he – same thing. He's like super honest. And I think that honesty of people's like, yeah, genuine opinions – really allowed me to like skip a few steps mm. like i was s- super fortunate with josh and steph and 
being so fortunate, but you forged that opportunity. You messaged Josh to create that opportunity. It's not like they reached out to you. Like absolutely, yeah. Opportunities come to those who create them. That's it. You gotta gotta be able to stay in those rooms. Anyone can open a door for you, Mm. but you gotta be able to get in the room and stay in there. But being like friends with them, I actually spoke about this to Sam Evans the other day. Um, His partner Tilly. We were friends first and then got to work with each other later. So when I shot with Tilly or, or Steph, they've been in this forever. They've been doing this for a long time and they work with crazy photographers and work with crazy brands. So when I go and shoot with them and something they see like this isn't that good, they'll, they're able to tell me. They'll be mm. like, like this isn't, let's do something different. This isn't that cool. I think that really allowed me to you know, skip a few steps in the whole, in the, in the scene a little bit. And like I say, like it's, it's lucky, but it's also you give yourself a bit of props for putting yourself in that in those situations for sure i love the way that you talk about having like your mum there and it's funny you bring that up i was literally sitting like a meter from where we're sitting right now last night with my mum and dad having a bit of a chat because i've been i'm just home by um with my sisters all the way at the moment yeah. so it's just me and my parents um and i was just having a chat to her about the podcast and a few things that are going on with my business and just like organically went into the just a bit of feedback about the podcast and my mum was like you always say beautiful you gotta stop saying beautiful and like ask me a year ago and i would have tried to snap back at her yeah whereas now i just look at any especially the people closest to me like i say to my like my dad's my biggest fan he listens to every one of my podcasts and like tells me like critiques it and i'm just like i crave the critiquing because it's like sick this is a way to get better it's the it's like the only way to to improve yeah especially when you do surround yourself with people who are like you can trust yeah like you've got to be around those people that i think hazy also our good friend is another he's really good at it too he's really good he's really he's really like he'll like he'll give it to you straight yeah you learned a lot like and he'll always say it like he'll he could blast you but the end he'll always be like but that's just me like you don't have to take that information Mm. you can do nothing with that but i think he also like I don't know. He's been doing it for. He's he's doing yeah, it. Yeah, he's been doing respect, it. So yeah, I, I love when I love when he. It. I love his little pep talks. Me too. I just think, like I said, like we've said multiple times in this pod, we're very lucky with the people we have around us. But also, like you said, like those opportunities, you don't realize what's behind one door. Like if yeah. you don't send that message to Josh, you don't have any of our friendship group. No. Nah. Which is like, I mean, like, I'm sure we would have like, yeah, run into each other eventually, but, not. but like, not like this at all. Yeah, exactly. Not even, <laughs> not even the same kind of world. Like, yeah, I was. It's psycho. Let's. Um, I want to talk quickly just about last year when you're in New York uh-huh. and doing a bunch of, because you do shoot a lot of like high fashion stuff now with yeah. some of the biggest names in the world. Yeah, yeah. Give us some name drops. What was it like? <laughs> what was it like shooting some of those people over in New York for Fashion Week and stuff? It's um. Another photographer calling me. Um, it's crazy. It's it's mind blowing. It was a huge like double door open moment for me last year. How'd that come about? Um, on just through like networking, through friends friends of friends, and I was there at the right time, and I got the opportunity to work with IMG, who do all of New York Fashion Week essentially. So I was one of their photographers, and um, it's. It's so it's it's so mind blowing, like the rooms you yeah get put in and the the work you're able to do with yeah like the biggest the biggest models in the world and it's Give like us some names the Who's head, nicest. I, mean, I think I worked most like closely with Bella Hadid, um, and she was sick. She's very like 
what's up dude like she like daps you up and like no. it's like crazy they're kind of sick and like obviously Gigi was there and stuff like that and um actually it was a kind of full circle moment I just watched Stranger Things mm. so obsessed with it right now but I shot with Noah one of the main characters oh, yeah, yeah. when I was there as well and it was kind of before I'd really got into the show but like I'd worked with him and then um we did some stuff for his um he has like a Nutella, a Nutella brand. Like it's this thing and we shot some stuff for that. And he was he was really sick. But that was like a, a a huge moment. Like Victoria Justice over in LA, that was a really cool one. Um, I just And that was all just like through her sister. We I met with her sister on a job and we got on really well. And then it's kind of funny story, that one. Madison would like texting and stuff. Like I was like organizing a shoot with Maddie, her sister. And she was texting, I was like, yeah, let's do this, this. And then like a day before the shoot, she's like, oh, do you mind if my sister comes? I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, and I I thought like Madison was the big, was the model. Like, this is Madison who? Uh, Victoria Justice's sister. I don't even know Victoria Justice. <laughs> so either that, either that, either that. <laughs> Which is like, but I think part of the reason we got on so well. how many followers <laughs> she has. <laughs> I, it would probably, I think it's probably about like 20 something million. But she was had like, I think her show was the biggest Nick, uh, Nickelodeon show ever. Oh, okay. It's called Victorious. And yeah, I was like supposed to just work with her sister. She's like, oh, can my sister come? I was like, yeah, of course, like whatever. And I, when I we like got to the shoot and they were both there and their mum was there actually because she's a legend. She's like really cool. <laughs> they took me out for a nice dinner afterwards too, which was sick. But um, yeah, it was like shooting and then, I didn't I didn't recognize like who she was and I was like to Madison, I was like, Oh, watch your sister's Instagram Mike, I'll tag her in this thing. And I was like search Victoria Justice and I was like, Wait, what the fuck's going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I even like we had when we we're having like dinner after I asked her, I was like, What was your like what was your show called? Because I didn't know you if I changed your phone. And I was like, it kind of like opened this whole I was like, wow, that was like really cool what I just did. But I think the fact that I didn't know that how cool is meeting someone with huge profile and huge. then being completely normal? Like it was, and it was, and There's we got on better. like super well. It was just like, and like we still text and like our group chat and like, it's just like normal, whatever. But um, yeah, that was like a, a pretty cool moment. And then That's I don't cool. know, like musicians, like ASAP Rocky was really cool. Mm. Fisher, legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get him on the podcast one of these bloody days. He said like that's. I think I'm going to go to Ibiza actually really? in a couple months to be so something. good i want to go try s- and go do a meditation retreat in cyprus with chris and rochelle that'd be and then, so um, sick yeah but anyway let's um get to the end of this thing mm-hmm. what's the future looking like what are your goals the next let's call it, let's call it one to three years because far out when people get five to ten years it's like it's i don't long. even know what i'm doing uh, tomorrow exactly exactly <laughs> let's go let's go let's go what's the goals next three oh, i know you're going to america let's yeah. go six or twelve months um so six or twelve months i'm actually releasing something um december january time i think cool uh which is gonna be hopefully really sick um can't say much on air i don't know it's it's fully it's also it's fully personal so it's just like it's like fully my own project so it doesn't have anything to do any brands or anything it's gonna be it's the idea of it is to just be like super a really collaborative space um and because I think it's kind of want I want to pay homage to the idea of collaboration. I think we all, especially like in the creative world or any kind of anything, like if you, we all owe sort of what we kind of do to being a, like being able to work with each other. Mm. I think there's a little bit of a weird mentality about um, 
not like sort of not accepting the fact that we all work with each other to get somewhere. It's all like a common goal. And it's like that whole collaborative idea. This promotion of, of individualism and everyone being unique in themselves. Exactly. Everyone needs, double-edged, double-edged everyone needs other people to get something. Like we all Life need each other. Connection. We all need, like, like I said before, Fisher, like there's no way I could have text Chloe and be like, hey, can I come shoot Paul's show tonight without being friends with you? And yeah. I'm like, and I will happily admit that, like to the end, like oh, and it's, you don't want to know how many bloody no. hookups that I, <laughs> I lean on because of friends, but that's what friendship. And is like for. every every little thing, like the reason I got to shoot New York Fashion Week was through another friend. They introduced me to somebody, and I will like forever preach that that collaborative sort of effort is is how we all kind of get somewhere. Mm. Um, so I'm yeah releasing this thing at the end of the year that hopefully it's just another space for photographers or anyone that's doing anything cool or like doing it doesn't have to be cool doing anything that want that stepping stone to be able to you know work and and do stuff cool hopefully it um hopefully it goes you well you can tell me a bit more about i'll it tell you there. after it's, called, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be called thank me later that's like the oh, name sick. which i like i really like the name i like that too that's dope but um yeah i'll tell you what it is after this but okay. i'm just like not ready to. And we're shooting all the new good human merch over the next couple of days. Oh, I've got days. A, I actually got. So oh, you got, got a model I've got, for me. Yeah. Well, I've what got, I worked I out was Chris and Rochelle are here. Oh, no, what? And, oh, yeah, of course. And I, I was just like, I've got a big box clothes for you up yeah, in the yeah. car, but I was like, I can't just, wait. I, I, need wanna, I just want to so do a bad. sick day. This is what I want to do for the shoot. Screw it. We'll do it live on our tell everyone. The idea is to not, exactly like you say, the collaboration idea. It's like the good human factor is built on just me bouncing my ideas off my friends. So instead of shooting like a model, I want to get like you, me, Pretty much all of our friends just wearing all different items yeah. and like go to Luna Park and just hang out. Just hang and out and shoot do stuff. Do some fun stuff and then like go watch a sunset somewhere and do some fun stuff and then go out to dinner and do some fun. Then just, I'll just shout it all, but just shoot the BTS yeah, and just yeah, the yeah. funness just of fun hanging out. Because I feel like that's what the Good Human Factory and what the whole What Are You Grateful range, grateful for range is about. It's just doing things you're grateful for. I think it's grateful. Maybe, for maybe this, maybe this next thing can go in my my thing at the yeah, end yeah, of the year. We'll, it could we'll do. It's like, uh, I just want to, yeah, that's, my whole thing is like, being very collaborative and like owning the fact that mm. you people help each other out. Like there's no shame in being like, oh, they got me this cool job doing this. Like yeah. I'll be the first to admit like Bloody I hell. couldn't do anything without the help of others. But I also like to think that I provide value for other people too. Being like, and being open to providing value. I think that's the thing. So many people are yeah. so shut, shut off to it because their own world is so busy. But you never realize. Like a bit of gatekeeping. It's like that. If you, I think it then stems from what I said before about being confident in who you are and the work you're putting out. If you're not, you don't fully believe what you're doing. You kind of, oh, there's this guy doing something similar. I don't want him anywhere near me, kind of thing. Whereas I'm, I love what I do. And if there's another fashion guy that wants to shoot next to me, I'm like, all yeah. for it. Like, there's room for everyone. There's yeah, room for everyone. I feel that way too. Like with podcasting and stuff, people are always like numbers and this and uh-huh. that. And I used to look and like compare myself, but I'm also like, who cares if there's a handful of people that listen that get something out of it. Like that, if one person listens. That's the thing. To be honest, I couldn't care less if anyone listens to this. I'm just having right. an epic chat That's with my thing. mate. That's what's cool about it. It's like yeah. when you begin to drop the expectation of an outcome and just do it for what it is, whatever it is in life, helping someone. Do it because it makes you feel good, rather than you're going to get something out of it. And that's, something th- ends up coming out of it anyway. I think that's when like the big Magic things happens, yeah. come out. Like when Andy Warhol was taking Polaroids of people, he didn't think that was going to become like this movement in pop culture but that's what happens like mm. when peter Lindbergh started shooting in his specific way of lighting models and stuff he didn't know that was going to come like the the best way to shoot a model for the night or whatever or earlier and it's just i think 
yeah, I think that if you yeah can strip back your ego and mm. really believe in who you are and what you're doing, that's when magic happens. Yeah, and a lot of practice it comes with it. Too many people like oversell themselves when they're not even that confident or they're yeah. overconfident in their work that doesn't deserve it. I don't know how to, I mean, where I'm going with it, but I think yeah, it just yeah. comes back to like knowing your craft well yeah. enough inside and out that if someone calls on you for an opportunity, you can execute it the highest level. And you yeah. I think Harry Nathan's really, he really preaches that. Mm-hmm. He's always just like, always keep working on your craft. And I've been shooting full time for how many years now. And I still like, this is even a bit lame, but every, almost every single night I lay in bed and watch YouTube videos about lighting. Every, every single night and that. i'll re-watch videos and like even like i'll just go back to like learning us and it sounds weird but like literally every almost every single night i'll still watch you or read a book like i've got photo books and i'll like book i bookmark all these photos that i like and i'll like look at it and then go to um like a program my computer where i can see how light reacts to a face or whatever mm. and i'll work out like how this person shot like that so I can then incorporate that style into something I want to do. Wow. I'm like, never really like I'm the sort of person is, who's that unartistic that I'm like, oh, like it's just point and shoot. It's just a camera. But I understand because knowing you and so many photographers, there's so many layers to it. Yeah. And then like painters, like there's so many layers to it. Like everything. I even like look at like surfboard shapers. You kind of go, they all look so similar, similar but yeah. there's good shapers and bad shapers but, yeah. based on the millimeters of like art and sculpting that they're doing. It's um yeah, it's fascinating. It's a, Everyone's craft is so unique, and then once you get to the pointy end of excellence in each industry, it's like you baffled. Have you actually seen the show on um on Netflix called Abstract? No. Oh my god, you gotta watch that. Tonight. Watch it. It's incredible. It's just all different art forms from like stage design, costume design, photography. Um, abstract abstract i mean what else like portraits and this and that and all different types of art yeah it does like a full hour episode going into like a store a doco on a person who's like the epitome of that yeah and watching the ethics from like sign writing to cryptography uh, typography to like every you'll love it it's have you seen um seven days out no seven days out yeah there's one episode about um the chanel fashion in, during Paris Fashion Week, and Chanel is like the pinnacle of, yeah. of fashion. And you can, it's easy to look at Chanel and be like, "Oh, it's just the expensive bags, whatever." But if you are able to, like, you watch that and you see the work that goes into creating that one show, it's mm. just it's phenomenal. And like that that one show that Chanel does, like the trickle down effect to that, it's so impactful. You might like, mm. it's it's easy to overlook that thing and be like, oh, it's just rich guys and, and mm. pretty girls walking around or whatever. But it's like- There's layers it's and that, symbols and that, meaning. To yeah, them. ability to be perfect with what you do. And it's so impactful, like on so many different levels. And that one Chanel runway, like you look a few years later on, this, on the, the walls in Kmart and there's- something that has been inspired mm-hmm. eventually by that it's just like this it's whole thing i think it just comes from people perfecting an art of some sort and it just and just excellence like this mm. kind of relates a little bit i went and spoke, did a workshop at barker college yesterday which is kind of one of the most Wait, where's where's but where it's is in that Warunga. Warunga? No, 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 it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it. Hornsby. It's in yeah, Hornsby. Yeah, yeah. It's like fifty thousand dollars tuition fee, and they have like three thousand students. Look at that's like one point five hundred and fifty million dollars a year the school would make. No, crazy. Anyway, where I'm going with this is, you always hear like the private school boys and stuff, and girls are kind of the future leaders. And I was speaking to the teacher as I was walking in yesterday, 
And the facility, I've never really been to a private school like that. The facility is just second to none. And then on top of that, the education and the manners and maybe it was because I was working with leaders, but what I noticed was like it's crazy how much more opportunity comes from being around excellence. And I think if we can try and encourage anyone listening just to go and try and be around excellence, wherever it may be, like – it's just, it, it breeds excellence. And it's like, it's always like, I do it, I still do it now as a photographer. Like I'll go and um, like assist with another photographer. Mm. I think that's another thing that like, Willing if you can learn. if you can strip down your ego, like it, there's this whole thing, especially as a photographer, like once you've gotten to a certain point point, you're kind of validated, it's like, oh, he doesn't need to assist anymore. He's his own, he's a one man show. Like he's the guy. Mm. But like in my head, I'm like, screw that. Like if, there's someone that I really like their work and they're shooting and they need someone to literally hold a scrim or, or mm. adjust lights. I'm going to go and watch how they work to try and like just learn and Be learn and learn and learn and learn. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm a big, I, I, it's very pro like getting rid of that ego and just mm. like being a, being a good human. And, and yeah, well, far out. You're so it. dedicated to your craft and like I've learned so much about how much more you've like looked into it. I think anyone out there listening who's like, oh, how can I just be around excellence? It can be as simple as going on YouTube or reading books of people who are the tops of their level. Yeah. That's where I've learned all of my mindset around mental health is just reading and understanding that there's millions of experts in millions of fields. You just have to be willing, have to, to, willing to go in and, and learn and take actual some responsibility and go learn. That's, yeah, but, like, like young photographers, like if they're trying to get into it, get good at whatever you want to do. Like go and get your camera and learn how to be good at taking a photo and then go and surround yourself with people and learn from them like yeah like do what you can do on your own and and practice and learn how sh- like light works and how that stuff works yeah. and then then go and learn from other people and just mm. if you really want to do it you put yourself in the right position and and you'll be able to do it yeah just, i love that man it's been an epic chat i've learned so much mad. about i'm still going don't worry we've got one more question oh, see it. you haven't listened to one before there's always one question oh, i'm scared on. it's gonna be like one of these things after <laughs> it's think. another hard one <laughs> no. all right yeah, here you go you're gonna get stumped but the question i always finish good humans podcast with is what does being a good human mean to ned symes i wish i'd watched one now it stumps everyone <laughs> now good i've thrown oh. in the deep end what did, what did harley clifford say <laughs> Oh, I, I can't even remember. Everyone's been different. Though. I listen. So that's no, what I listen to a bit of. There's no right or wrong answer. Just top of your head. What has been a good human mean to you? Um, I don't even know how to how to really say it. Well, that's the thing. There's no right or wrong answer. No. There's no right or wrong angle. It might be what you see is a good human, or it might be when you're a good. What how you feel when you feel like you're being a good human. What do you feel like you're doing when you're being a good human? I feel like when I'm being a good human, I, when I leave the room, people have it's made whatever we're doing in that room they've it's been like they whether we're talking about cameras or this or whatever they walk away from that being like i got something out of that and you're like always like leaving something behind mm. good things never like yeah but like yeah you walk away from a conversation you walk away from working with somebody and they can be like it's leaving like a positive a breath, impact like, on that people. was good like that was a good conversation that was a good day of work together that was a good i think it's like you don't have to reinvent the wheel and change the world, but if you can just every time you, you know, walk away from something, if they can have a positive take, take, experience, take a breath, you, that was yeah. good, and and yourself as well. If you can walk away from it and be like, yeah, that was, I'm happy with with that, then I love that. That's being, a really good answer. A good That's human. a very unique answer as well. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, that idea of leaving situations kind of proud with how you left them, and how we do that is working ourselves and 
the better we are, then we can come and leave more impact. And the more knowledgeable we are, the more we can leave. And then it comes back to just being present with people. I think so often we have conversation. That's why it's so beautiful having a conversation like this where there's no phones. Yeah. You can get to know someone so deep. We've been chatting for an hour and it's like, oh, look at this. Like you learn so much about someone just by having a conversation. But man, this has been a phenomenal story. I guess a few key takeaways for everyone listening. Um, the first thing is go and have a good conversation with your friends and put your phone down and try and just quiz them about their upbringing and what they learned, what was their life was like back then because we can learn so much from our friends for one, to strengthen relationships, but for two, be able to assist with their future and be Absolutely. able to relate to stuff. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Um, yeah, and then the camp quality stuff, I mean, Amer- Camp America camp stuff. America, yeah. It's so cool. I think that part of this podcast is incredible and I know a lot of people will listen and probably be like, oh, you know what? I might sign up for that. I it's, think it's a great opportunity. So I'll leave so in the show good. notes some stuff about that yeah, too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, just getting to talk about your photography and your dedication to it is really exciting for what's to come because I can see the dedication that you have to the craft. But- yeah, I'm really excited for the next little, little while of just, I don't know, continuing on that trajectory of just loving it but working in the best scenarios possible essentially beautiful well man thank you so much jumping on good humans it's been my absolute pleasure it's, Mate, been, it's been fun i good fun. really enjoyed it thanks man That's sick. see you all soon Woo. this has been a well-being network podcast imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.